Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. We hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Jeremy Parsons. So first, thank you, Jeremy, for joining us and sharing your story. Uh, I'm super excited to have you, even though we've already (laughs) tried this once. I'm really appreciative that you gave me the time to (laughs) re-record. That means a lot to me. Uh, Note to the listening audience, never record a a podcast episode if you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) Dead zones happen. so let's just dive right in. Um, sure. Uh, tell tell us a little bit a little bit more about you. Um, you know, education, occupation, personal history, whatever you want to go into. Sure. So a brief history of Jeremy. Um, I'm Canadian, first of all, and so I grew up in Burlington, which is just outside of Toronto. And uh, I got an honors degree in philosophy from University of Western Ontario. Uh, And at that time, I was running a landscape construction company and uh, playing drums at night. And uh, then I wound up uh, playing drums with uh, Frank Sinatra's band. This is after he uh, died uh, on a cruise ship in South America for four months. That is fascinating. (laughs) it was a crazy time amazing experience and um yeah I mean I um with drumming I uh I turned pro when I was 15 so my parents would literally drive me to the bar because I didn't even have a driver's license and I would play all night oh my gosh literally just a kid and playing like three nights I bet you got a lot of side eye right (laughs) like when you walked into a bar as a kid People are like, what is happening? What? Where are the cameras? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. This kid bringing his drum set and everything and his parents waiting in the car. Like, it was a little weird, but it was awesome. And that was all I knew. So I didn't think it was all that weird. I thought it was exciting. And uh, did that for many, many years and taught drums. And and, um, yeah, and actually, and my drum teacher, Dan Bodanis, who like taught all the big guys in, in Canada, and played all over the world he's you know still an incredible force in my life an amazing mentor in life and in business and yeah just taught me a ton about yeah ton about the world and ton about dealing with people so um yeah so which is pretty cool and then so i got back from south america and uh i did say this was going to be a brief history so i'm going to try and speed it up (laughs) um i'm i'm just curious how landscape construction and drumming like go together (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that's um, quite the departure for a side hustle you know uh totally yeah well I mean I was working at a construction yard um I'm you know I was 17 at the time oh and um you know just starting university wanted to make a bunch of money get a good tan <laughs> build <laughs> some muscle and you know so did that and wound up talking to all the contractors and there's a ton of like homeowners too, they would come in like, Hey, I need like somebody to lay down like 10 patio slabs and none of the contractors wanted to do it. So I just started picking up these side jobs and then I was making way more money in one day doing those side jobs. And I was the rest of the week. So I, uh, so the following year, so when I was going into second year university, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to open up a company and start doing it full time. And I mean, it was, it was a real gamble 
because I needed to make enough money to pay for my tuition and my you know fraternity dues and books yeah. and like just living expenses. And so just hustled my ass off and um, we wound up becoming the third largest landscape construction company in the area Wow! within a year. So, which was amazing. And it was creative. I got to do all kinds of different design and learned about plants and just kept on whatever I didn't know how to do. I just learned how to do and we made it happen. So it was pretty cool. So I ran that for quite a while. And, uh, and then when I got back from South America, um, a good buddy of mine was managing a bar in, um, at a university and he wanted to do an event. And he remembered that I did tons of events for my, uh, for my frat in uh, at Western. So I was already dealing with you know, alcohol reps and bars and making deals and promotions and all that kind of stuff. So he wanted to do an event. So we decided to do a flair bartending competition. And while we're putting it together, he's sort of alluding to the fact that he actually wanted to impress a girl that he hired. <laughs> so that's why he wanted to do this event. And uh, so we did it and we, you know, put together like the best flair bartenders and got it sponsored by like Harley Davidson and a local brewery who's actually a client of mine today, Brick Breweries and Polar Ice Vodka. And um, a couple of TV channels came with Live Eyes and took video of it and uh, a couple of reporters from the local newspapers. So the next day we're on the news and we're on the front page of three different newspapers. And you didn't know <laughs> these, these, the press was coming? Like they no just idea. got wind of it and showed up? And they just showed up. Wow. Like it was, it was insane. And so, yeah, I mean, we were literally on every media outlet the following day. And so then two days later, I got a phone call from Bacardi Canada and asking me who the hell I was and wanting to have a meeting. <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. So I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm going to check this out. So I put together a deck that made it look like I've been doing this forever. And of course I didn't say that it just looked like it. Yeah. And uh, showed up for the meeting. And still to this day, I've never had a meeting quite like this. Like it was the director of marketing and all the brand managers all in one room. I come walking in, had no idea everybody was going to be there. And they started asking me questions about what we did and what we do. And then they started asking me some questions about a new product that they were coming out with, which was like Tempico. I'm pretty sure it was Tempico. And which is sort of like an Alize at the time. And um, they just asked me what I would do with this product. <laughs> like, just okay. totally on the spot. Everybody's staring at me. I've yeah. never worked in alcohol before. <laughs> and, but I've been in a hell of a lot of bars and I am a student of human nature. And so I, you know, I've watched interactions. I've seen how bars operate. I, been to a million bars. And so I just started talking about what I think we should do with this product and how it fits in and the demographic and everything else. Yeah. They took spot in. And then You're quite they, the they're like, then. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, it was crazy. It was very surreal. And then Anthony Amato, who was the director of marketing at that time, and I still work with him today, uh, he's like, okay. So looks around the room. He's like, so who wants to work with Jeremy? Just raise your hands. <laughs> and everybody did. Oh my gosh. It's like, so crazy. So uh, if we're going to do uh, 10 events, like what's, uh, what's the investment on that? Oh my <laughs> I'm like, so I'm starting to calculate. I throw out some number 
And he's like, okay, that's great. Okay, guys, I'll see you later. Jeremy, let's go downstairs. I'm just going to talk to accounting, get you a deposit. Um, we're going to give you some product and let's get this rolling. Yeah, that just <laughs> never happens. It and never be, happens. And to be under that much pressure, like, and with a firing squad, like asking you questions, I can't oh, imagine yeah. what that was like for you. And then to just come out of it so easily too, with like you know a what? check. <laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And the dining room area and bar at their head office literally looks like something out of Scarface. It's all like white marble and mirrors and everything. I was just blown away. I just, yeah, I think I yeah. was too excited to be scared. And so I was just like, yeah, well, I think we should do. And boom, 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 boom. Never even once thinking maybe I'm saying the wrong thing or, you know, at all. And just went with it. And then, That's of course, fantastic. I got the check. Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty cool. And then all of a sudden I've got this check and I'm sitting in my truck and I'm like, okay, now I got to fucking happen. <laughs> you know? Right? No. <laughs> and now I have to go to work. I have to do this now. Totally. So, um, but I wound up putting together a really good group of guys who basically wanted to sort of follow the tour of what Cocktails was doing um, because they loved our events. They loved our competitions and that kind of stuff. And then um, the LCBO, so the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, they're mm -hmm. like, you know, the only seller of alcohol in Ontario. Okay. And um, they uh, contacted me. And at that point in their stores, they were actually putting in kitchens to do like cooking demos and all kinds of stuff. And so they wanted some sort of a cool, like sort of promo to launch these stores. And so they hired us to do flair bartending in there and work with some brands. So cool. at that point, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, amazing opportunity because now all of a sudden they are telling me what brands they want us to work with. And now all of a sudden I'm getting pictures and press of me working with Grand Marnier, mm -hmm. with, you know, Grey Goose, with um, <laughs> other brands that don't begin with a G. I'm just trying to think of them. Oh. <laughs> Stoli and that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I mean, and so, which was awesome. So we started launching all these stores, which also got me traveling all over Ontario and dealing with their marketing people. And then they hired us to do this one more event at one of their largest stores. And so I show up and I'm seeing all this signage that they're giving away a BMW Z3. And I'm thinking, wow. it would have been nice if somebody had told me about this. And it turns out that they actually brought in the wrong company to do the tasting. And so this is for Corby's. And at that time, Corby's was probably the second largest liquor company in Canada. And um, they, all their big wigs came in. So like director of marketing, director of sales, the CEO, like everybody. And they're looking at the manager and the LCBO people going like, who the hell are these two guys? Like we didn't hire them. Oh <laughs> and gosh. so- Oh yeah. So 30 minutes before we're supposed to start, there's like massive chaos. You know, they've got the winner there. That's supposed to be receiving the car and this just has to happen. So I had a little chat with people from Corby's and I said, listen, you know, this isn't our fault, but let's make this work. You don't have to pay me if you don't like what we do, but what is it that you wanted to happen here? And we'll just do it. So I'm running all over the place, picking up mix, grabbing shakers. I've got my buddy who I was uh, working with, Martin. Uh, I still remember this clear as day. I mean, this is like 20 years ago. 
and uh, he's cutting up all these crazy garnishes and then boom, we pull it all together. We do this amazing event. And at that time, for about six years, we held the record for the most product sold that was being sampled in any LCBO. And wow. so Corby's was, I mean, it was crazy. The amount of cases that we sold to consumers who were coming in. And so they got clearly loved you. They did. They did. And so two days later, I don't know what it is with me in two days, but it just seems everybody has a two day waiting period before they contact me. Um, but so uh, the director of marketing at that time, Victoria Shepard, um, she gave me a call and said, I want to have a meeting with you. And so I came in, we chatted about what she wanted to do, what we wanted to do. And I took over the marketing and events for all their brands for all of Canada. Wow. And that's what, yeah, so that's what took me national. Holy moly. I know. It that's was an incredible. incredible. Oh my God. It was like the trajectory of my company at that point was like basically vertical. It was nuts. Yeah. I mean, you were going from doing like maybe five events a month to like 30 to 40 events a month. Jeez. And so. Uh, which is crazy. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, okay, how the hell am I going to do this? I need staff. I need people in different cities. I need this. I need that. And then what happened was working with them, um, I wound up working with different fashion lines, like with Versace and Holt Renfrew and all these different magazines and going on TV. And then they made me their vodka ambassador because at that time they had Stoli, Polar Ice, Belvedere and Chopin. And so then, boom, all of a sudden, I'm talking to the media about these products and I'm learning basically, you know, media relations and getting camera ready. And it was it was an incredible, incredible experience that really I mean, at that time, I'm like, wow, this is fun. <laughs> Little did I know that that was really setting me up for everything else that I was going to wind up doing later on in my career. Yeah. This is, that is just amazing. I mean, that is, it's a total unicorn situation. You, you just set out to pay some bills and you end up creating this massive company. And it's just, it's inspiring too. I mean, as an entrepreneur, this is, this is the kind of like stuff that we dream of. Right. And I yeah. can't imagine the pressure that it, what it, it felt for you um, trying to scale your staff so quickly oh, to hit it was these crazy. targets. It was crazy. I mean, I remember, you know, flying out to Calgary and having no staff and flying up there in the morning, having to wrangle some staff during the day. And this is before Facebook. So like you couldn't just put out yeah. like a mass message and then hope that you get a ton of people. Like mm -hmm. just didn't work that way. And I remember going out there and I was working with a magazine and with, um, with uh, Ralph Lauren with their home store caban out there and mm -hmm. I didn't have any staff <laughs> I still had to like prep everything you know I'm organizing the rentals everything's showing up and I'm like and I've never been to Calgary before and had didn't even have enough time to like book a hotel or anything like it was just craziness and so I went to a couple of bars I'm talking to bartenders no we're all working tonight we're all working tonight so I walked into a strip club and <gasps> Hired oh two God. dancers, oh. two dancers who were working during the day. So they're going to be off at night and hired them. 
And they were two amazing girls who went out of working with me for about three years. And they're terrific bartenders and just like super personable and obviously very good looking. So great for the camera. And uh-huh. yeah, they were my reps for a long time. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious. <laughs> I never knew that either. Oh my gosh. I'm loving this. So tell me like when, uh, like clearly you you find your inspiration in doing something you haven't done before the excitement of a new challenge but how did you where do you find it today and how did you discover it well I mean I've always liked to entertain I mean I've always liked the hospitality industry but I mean I always like to um to provide a new experience for people you know I really I love like when I was a drummer I loved you know playing stuff that nobody had ever heard before or you know having you know, a different style that people just like, wow, oh my God, did you see that? Did you hear that? And then when it came to culinary and mixology, um, this is going to sound really dirty, but I don't mean it to be, but it's being able to put something into somebody's mouth that they've never had before that they're like, oh my God, that's incredible. Like I never would have thought about that. And it's being able to provide that for somebody a new experience. I mean, when we're kids, it's, we're just full of new experiences, but as adults, sometimes, you know, I'm not going to say that it's ever boring, but But to have have a lot more experience. Exactly. So to be able to have a new experience when you're older, I think it has even more impact. And so I've really like, that's, that's where I get my drive from and constantly creating and coming up with different things and, you know, different combinations or different ways of serving something and just providing that. I hate this term wow factor, but that's really what it is, yeah. you know, and that's what I've always striven to do. So um, striven, if that's a word, I always strive. <laughs> to. <laughs> uh, I think striven is a word. Striven, uh, sure, why not? But I mean, I've always wanted to do that. And that's what really propels me, you know, yeah. and with food, with drinks, with, you know, how I'm doing events with what is going on and even just like the simplest details i've certainly found that now with social media the way that it is you have to come up with interesting things in order to be able to capture somebody's imagination and there's so much to look at all the time we're bombarded with all kinds of different you know cool visuals that now when i'm doing events or you know i'm plating some food or you know whatever you've got to come up with something that's interesting, that's super visual, and that provides, you know, more than just one sensorial experience, but a combination in order to be able to build that memory retention. Yeah. No, you have to build an entire experience. And you're, you're good at that. You're a natural at building and creating experiences. And I think it's, it's not just the way that you engage with people and your personality, but it's your in excitement and enthusiasm around showing something new to somebody because I, I I love creating experiences too when I you know create my conference obviously I know <laughs> you, do. you do an amazing I, job of it I know well, thank you I appreciate that <laughs> uh, but I I mean and part of this is you know when we spent those six weeks together you were creating experiences for me as your traveling buddy just you were opening my eyes and broadening my horizons and you know every dinner was an adventure and something new for me which was so exciting because I was you know I was always willing to try anything and I totally trusted you I'm like yeah order whatever you want I'll eat anything and I'm, you, oh. you, I remember I think we were sitting at dinner once and you were like do you 
can I order for you? I don't want to sound misogynistic. And I'm like, no, dude, you know way more than I do. You should do the ordering. This is awesome. Nobody's ever ordered for me. I don't, this is cool. Let's go. And it was fantastic, of course. I think it was that dinner at the MGM Grand when we were in Vegas. Um, yep. Yeah. I was like, I, I think I tried like 13 new things that night in one meal. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> no, that was so much fun. Well, and I learned so much from you as well. I mean, you know, because at that point, I had only worked in the States maybe, I don't know, maybe a dozen times. And, um, you know, I did some work for Jimmy for Margaritaville. I launched my book out there in Vegas at the NCB show. And then did some work with um, Jack Daniels and Woodford Reserve down in Sonoma. So like, but it was spotty, you know, and it certainly wasn't yeah. as in depth. And so it was amazing. You taught me so much about the American market and distributorships and how agencies work and all kinds of stuff. And so it really, really opened up my horizons and, you know, provided just, just greater insight, you know, and it was almost like, well, like when I was working on the cruise ship and working with people from like 60 different countries and chatting with them and just learning about their insights and providing a different kind of context about life. And so you provide a completely different context for me professionally, because now all of a sudden I'm seeing like a greater scope um, of like a world market. And so it was amazing. No, it was cool. And plus, yeah, our meals were awesome. <laughs> yeah. We definitely had some fun. I mean, we were exhausted. Oh we were we were working like crazy hours. We were bouncing between planes. I think I spent, I counted it up. I spent like six nights in my bed over those six weeks in my actual <laughs> bed at home. And it was, it was, it was like the worst possible timing for me because I was in my hardest class of my master's program. And I yep. just remember like, we'd get off the plane, we'd go straight to the bar and like do the secret shop and then you know hang out for a bit grab some dinner and then I'd go back to my hotel room and just weep and cry and try to get my homework done and I was like why am I doing this to myself awful but it was such an adventure at the same time and I really you know because of being going through that with you with somebody that I was building a lifelong friendship with I never felt alone and I I taught myself that I can handle a lot more than I think I can. Um, Cause I think I, I don't know if I've ever been busy or maybe having a newborn baby kept me busier, but <laughs> you know, that's a completely different stressful situation altogether. And another time to talk about that. Uh, well, you're a tough one, you know, you've got tons of energy. You've got the never say die attitude. And it was great that we were together and that we understood each other because there was a lot of stress, lots of, you know, long hours, long nights, And we really depended on each other and we trusted each other, which we needed because you're spending that much amount of time together. And while you were working on your master's, I was working on getting myself out of a relationship that was horrible. So we were both working on things that made us cry. Yeah, But no, I remember doing those silent shops and going in and doing the chef's tasting menu and having cocktails. And then like the best was seeing the bartenders the next morning coming in for training and they're looking at the guy who has everything prepped, everything ready to go, who, you know, polished off a ball of Stoli Raz the night before. And they're like, how are you still alive, man? And I now remember you're teaching that us. too. Was that the guys at the foundation room in, uh, in Vegas? Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I Vegas remember that. And also in LA. And I remember like, 
getting there and going in on the sunset strip, walking over there at quarter to six in the morning and walking in, getting all the garnishes taken care of, setting up everything. So for all these bartenders coming in at 10 a.m. to learn about the new cocktails and how everything's going to be done. I mean, there were long, long, long hours. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was, an, again, the experience was incredible. And, to, you know, to, to keep that motivation and to keep the energy up and to, you know, to be professional about the whole thing. And, uh, but it was awesome. It was great. No, and every bartender that we trained around the country absolutely just fell in love with you. I mean, they were completely enraptured in what you were talking about. And when you went through the recipes, just your style, your demonstration, your engagement, the way that you mix humor with education, like that's a really, really important aspect of keeping people engaged because training can be so damn boring and dry. Yeah. And you are, you are, sir, you are the greatest showman <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's, it's really fun. And I've always enjoyed like learning from you because you were teaching me. I don't, I don't know if you realize that, but when we were spending this time I together, I was learning quite a bit from you as well. Um, <laughs> and I'll never forget the day that we had to try the wine and we did that blind tasting with 240 different bottles. Oh my God. And our tongues were so purple and our teeth were so purple. And we were really, um, really just almost drunk by the time we finished. And we were just doing that what, was so a sip pretty. of each. It was, it was a sip of each and, you know, and putting together, I mean, when, when that was like an addition to the contract, I, yeah, I remember that too. Cause I stayed on for three extra days Yeah, and being in California, like right in the heart of LA and, um, and yeah, and then when we started chatting about it, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, you know, I got to pick between like 40 different wines, you know, who cares? And then all of a sudden, you know, the next day I show up and they're like, yeah, so Jer, here are all the cases. And literally it was three rooms of cases. Yeah, it took us hours I'm, just I'm, to get them organized. Oh, like we, t- it, we took up every single bar space. Yeah. I still have a picture of Deb, you and me with just the high-end wines around I us. Know. That was $60 and over um, retail. Yeah. And it took the entire VIP bar at the foundation room. Like, it was yeah. just insanity. And all the champagnes and everything. And I also remember getting there to organize it and um, the doorbell ringing downstairs. And nobody was grabbing it. So I ran down. And here's um, this woman in these like huge sunglasses and this like white Mercedes SUV opening up the back. And I'm like, Hey, can I help you with something? And she's like, Oh, are you Jeremy? (laughs) Yeah, I am. And you are. Oh, I'm Sophia. And I look at the cases and they're all Coppola. You were kidding. I didn't know this. She dropped them off herself. Herself because she had missed the deadline. For handing in all the cases, oh my and I'm like Sophia Coppola, <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know what, Jeremy? Listen, I'm so sorry. I missed the deadline, but I know you're the one who's putting together the wine list, and I just wanted to get these in. I hope you can still taste them. Blah blah blah. Just going on and on and on. And I'm like, "Uh, what do I say here? Do I talk about your wines, or do I talk about your family? Do I talk about the films? Oh do my I talk god! About- I incredible. Didn't know you this. are a business." 
oh yeah, this is, this is, and this is at like quarter to seven in the morning. I'm sure like I did not look all that great from partying the night before. And here I am carrying in all the cases and she was so nice. And we just kind of chatted and she's like, you're Canadian, aren't you? I'm like, how the hell do you know all this about me? Deb must have felt it. Oh yeah, she must have. And um, it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, and then she left and then all of a sudden, then I'm meeting Dan Aykroyd and I yeah, remember was, when Dan it, walked in for his meeting. That was hilarious. He like introduces himself to everybody and then snaps his fingers at you and says, hey, can you hand me that bottle of Crystal Head? And I just laughed. I was like, oh my God, Dan Eckhart just introduced himself to me and I'm the least important person in the room. And then he snapped at the most. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, you don't even know who this guy is. Uh, it was totally cool. I mean, and uh, he's, he's a huge icon i mean he's canadian yeah. i'm a huge fan of his work the guy's a genius and i mean i mean it was terrific that i got to meet him several more times while we were working with him like in boston and everything yeah. and then when i was launching crystal head aurora in canada he was down for the media launch and they had hired me to do all their media work for them and so he came in and i do have to say he remembered me you're kidding and oh he came in and he's like jeremy i'm like hey i mean he already knew that a guy named Jeremy was going to be like doing the media and doing the first station. And I created the whole tasting experience and all the cocktails for it. Mm -hmm. And so he was standing beside me and he's like, I know you from somewhere. I, I know, I know you from, and he's thinking, he's thinking, I'm like, well, I met you in Cali. I met you in Vegas. He's like, you worked with me. You worked, you're, you're doing some cocktails for us, uh, for, uh, for the House of Blues. I'm like, man, oh man. I'm like, you are correct, sir. I said, and I was there in Boston when you're having a meltdown when you couldn't get your liquor license. Oh, and, yeah, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, got to chat with him and what, I mean, what a gentleman and just like a consummate professional. I had such a great time that night working with him. But, and, you know, and that's the whole thing about this job. It's like, I never, ever thought, you know, when I said to my parents after I came back from Bacardi, I'm like, I think I'm opening up a beverage marketing agency. And they're looking at me like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, like, come on, you own a landscape construction company, you're a professional drummer, and now we're going to open up a beverage marketing agency. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I never thought that it would ever lead to, you know, two cookbooks and going on tons of TV shows and meeting celebrities and traveling all over North America and the Caribbean and South America and all over the place, oh, yeah. you know, and meeting these incredible people. I just had no idea that this was going to happen. It's awesome. No, it's, it's like the most wonderful, like accidental pioneer entrepreneur. Like it's so cool. And I love, I love your story and I love your path and it's because you're so passionate and you're so gracious and open to people in general. I think that it, it comes to you naturally, um, the good in your life. It comes to you naturally because you're putting so much positive out there. You can't help but get it back, right? I mean, I truly believe, you know, it's all circular, right? You put bad out, you get bad back, you know. You get what you put in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hope so. I mean, I've certainly had some shit happen too. But I mean, but I mean, I hope so. And, uh, but I think it's. You know, my parents, I, well, as I said, like my parents, my friends, um, my mentors, like I've just been so blessed to have such amazing people around me yeah. who have guided me, who've helped me through things, who have given me amazing advice, who I've been able to, you know, 
sound off with and, you know, communicate with. And they've taught me so much, you know, how to deal with people, how to deal with different situations. You know, I mean, my drum teacher, certainly when I was going off to South America, I mean, he taught me many, many life lessons about, you know, hey, you're going to be going down there all alone. You're a hired gun. You're replacing a guy who failed a drug test. And you're going to be jumping into a brand new experience in a, like several new countries. You're going to be flying in and five hours after you arrive, you're going to have to do a safety exam. You're going to have to provide x-rays of your chest. You're going to have to do oh all this gosh. stuff. And then what? you're going to shave. Oh yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I had, they had a, they had, so the ship's doctor had to take a look at me and literally when I got there, they um, had a, uh, like a small sort of outline of a human person, human person, mm-hmm. of a human being. Mm-hmm. And he had to mark down any identificational scars in case I died or fell overboard and they needed to identify my body. Oh, my God. Like, this is stuff that you never think of. No, I never would have thought <laughs> yeah. of that. No, I know. And, you know, I'm sitting there, like, watching a safety video because... Um, you're part of the crew now. So you have to know where like your muster station is and everything else. So I'm doing all this stuff. And meanwhile, I'm like, I just want to get to my room and have a shower, have a nap and like meet who the hell I'm playing with. And because I'm looking at my watch, I'm like, as far as I know, like I start at four o'clock every single day and this is two o'clock. And then, yeah, I mean, I got to my room, shaved, showered. I didn't even know where the hell I was playing. I had to ask an engineer and he took me through all these like back ways. And then all of a sudden I walk out on stage. The guys that I'm playing with are already there and they're looking at me and they're like, you're late. Oh no. And I'm putting together my drum set, like, like that kind of stress. Yeah. And then you're playing in 400 people mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, you know what? You have to put wow. everything behind you and yeah. you've got to figure out how to get into a mode that blocks out everything compartmentalizes everything so that you get into and you're camera ready and ready to rock you know but and, and dan taught me how to do that and my parents taught me how to do that when i was a kid playing piano in front of you know a thousand people and it's like you gotta you have to be able to let go of the things that have gone on in your day in order to be able to actually accomplish what the real goal is yeah i am i gotta be honest brother i am learning so much about my friend of what 12 13 years that i didn't know this is one of my favorite this is my favorite thing about doing a podcast is i get to interview people i don't know or people i know really well and learn a ton of new stuff from every single person and i'm loving getting to know more about your entire life's history i love it so (laughs) obviously you're a very positive person I've already said this you're very happy you engage easily so I'm wondering if you can give me an example of a time in your life where you had a negative experience and how you were able to turn that into a positive memory um so I guess maybe we'll um we'll talk about the professional first and personal second how about that okay sounds good so um so professional um i was probably in my fifth year of business maybe like fifth or sixth and signed a very big brand which i'm not gonna 
disclose mm-hmm. uh, with an agency. And I was like, wow, like this is amazing. And um, it was for all of Canada to launch this product and do all these tastings. And this is like a very big contract. And I wound up getting stiffed on it. Oh. And, and I had used all of my savings. I put everything in to be able to keep this train rolling and keep stuff going and buying POS and creating different things and picking up product and doing everything. And I wound up getting stiffed and uh, I will never forget that. Mm-hmm. And it almost destroyed my company. Well, actually, and it, and it totally should have. And I was then faced with the problem of, okay, so fine. We're not working with these guys anymore because they can't pay their bills. Mm -hmm. And now I've got all the staff, I've got suppliers, I've got all these people that are owed money and it's my name on the line. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I was in my truck. I'll never forget driving back to my place. I was living in like a work, a work live space in Toronto, um, which was crazy i mean but it was really really cool i mean i had a dominatrix who lived on one side of me yeah. and a drug dealer on the other side. That's and, uh, yeah it was a very interesting neighborhood um and i get there and i'm and and i thought i was going to have a heart attack i started thinking about it and i started feeling very overwhelmed obviously i mean i was only like 27 at this time that's so that's, that's terrifying I'm, for any age but i can't imagine going through that in your 20s Oh, it was like, even as we talk about it, I feel like I'm, I'm getting that anxiety yeah. feeling. It, it's brutal. But, but, and I just remember, I'm like, okay, I started taking deep breaths. I'm like, okay, I am not going to do what these guys did to me, to everybody else. I'm like, I'm just not going to, I've worked way too hard to develop my, my company to make my contacts and my reputation is on the line here. Yeah. And so I made a list of everybody and the amounts and everything and which to properly compound yeah to properly compound <laughs> yeah. stress right yeah. <laughs> like let me just, go ahead and yeah. make it worse <laughs> on myself <laughs> well, it was it was crazy but and then i'm like okay i'm gonna start making these phone calls and telling people what the deal is what has happened and assuring them that they are going to get their money it's going to take a little bit of time and if they can just work with me on it and, but that they are going to get paid and that they need to trust me. Yeah. And as hard as that was yeah. to do and humiliating. Yeah. It was, it taught me such an incredible lesson that I still use today is communication is everything. And if you're honest with people, when you're, you know, having a hard time, even having a great time, you just got to have great communication and always be honest with the people who are around you, who you work with, because guess what? They will understand and respect you more. And every single person thanked me at the end of the conversation and said, Jeremy, we believe in you. No problem. Every wow. single person. That's amazing. And it is amazing. And that taught me everything I needed to know. And it also really taught me about the relationships, especially in this industry, which is all relationship driven, because yeah. we all depend on so many different people doing their best and being there. Mm-hmm. It's not just showing up. No. It's showing up and being your best and understanding, having a vested interest. And so it really taught me the value 
of communication and letting people know like, Hey, things happen. And guess what? All those people have had something happen to them. And so they understood. And so, I mean, thank God I had other contracts that were going on and I just chiseled away and broke all of that stuff and got people paid and came out on the other side. You know what? And I picked up a bunch of other clients and a bunch of other amazing things happened so that I was able to get everybody paid off quicker. And guess what? My company took another huge leap forward with several more new clients. And then, you know, a year later, my book came out, my first book. Wow. And so, um, oh my God, I'm going to go bankrupt to, oh my God, I'm on TV with my very first published book. Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in our world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Dana Moody. So first, let me thank you, Dana, for joining us to share your experiences and your personal story and all of your ideas on how to make our industry better. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I I adore you. And I'm grateful to have you as part of the Witty Group. I'm grateful to have you in my circle. And I'm honored that you give me this time to interview you because your story is so much more than just your name. So we'll dive right in. Okay. Um, Yeah. Um, So let's start by tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, it it could be anything from your history, your education, your background, where you were raised, how you grew up, whatever it is. What is... What are the things, the pinnacles that made Dana Moody the woman I know today that's sitting in front of me? Okay, well, let's see. I am um, now an owner of my company. Which Which is is exciting. Which is very Uh, exciting. Dana is a fellow female entrepreneur, so yay for this. Yes, and uh, before that, I spent 20 years a brand, a little brand, you know, called Red Bull. Yeah, um, tiny. Yeah. No one's ever heard of it. <laughs> I know. Um, which uh, was just the best experience ever. And I'm so mm. thankful for that. And uh, I'm married and I have an amazing stepdaughter. Um, and yeah, I live in Orlando and I just, uh, I, I'm excited to be here and to speak with you. And I love the on-premise and the beverage industry for sure. Yeah. Well, I think um, what you do, what you've done for our industry and and the ways that you've impacted our industry and in positive methods um, through your work with Red Bull, through being a part of Woody, everything that you do really lends itself to you are creating a bigger, better, brighter space for everybody. And I, and I appreciate that because you know how much I can't do witty without the women that are part of it so um i i want to know like now that you're doing your own thing and and i i want to dive into that because that is so important because that is you paying yourself back for all your years working for others so i want to know how you found that inspiration specifically like what was the trigger that made you go 
outside of your safety zone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there was one thing like that I could say it was exactly that, right? But, you know, I think um, as grateful as I am to Red Bull for every experience that they gave me, my adult identity was Dana with Red Bull. And I think as I got older and more experienced, I needed to find out who I was without that brand identity. Yeah. Uh, And that was probably the biggest thing uh, for me. And then I think also as you get older, you look at your priorities in life and work-life balance. And I have always been 100% career focused. And, you know, I needed to take a step back and, and look at, you know, how much time I was spending at home and with my family and uh, kind of take a bet on myself you yeah. know, and be able to do that comfortably. Yeah, write your own name for your benefit, not the benefit of others. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had the same, I had the same process. It was probably triggered by different things, obviously, because we're all different. But my, I, I realized if everyone is writing my name for their benefit, why am I not writing my name and my reputation for myself? Yeah. And you get to that point where when that is the question that you're asking yourself, you're, you're really just selling yourself short and you're being quite stupid yeah. <laughs> if you don't follow that yeah. because you're asking yourself an honest question. If you can't come up with an honest answer, that in itself is your answer. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that what you're doing swinging with that and that is what I called it. Um, because it's, it's really taking a risk. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's terrifying. And wonderful and amazing. And every little win is such a big win when, especially when you're starting. And this is very fresh for Dana. She is, you know, ventured out onto her own very recently in the past few months. Yeah. And it's hard to turn that flip side from, you know, the salary and the benefits to, I'm probably not making the salary. I don't know if maybe you're yeah, more generous no. with yourself, but I, I'm, I, I pay myself a terrible salary because yeah. I want the company to have the ability to grow. No, and if I'm sure. taking it, it's not growing, you know, and it's, that's the hard thing. Cause you, you need something to live on, but you also need to make sure that you're creating something sustainable for your yeah. family's future. And that's, that's the scariest part of it. So I want to know um, if you have ever thought about the proposition of having endless amounts of dough, <laughs> like no worries at all. Yeah. What would you do with your time? I have. Um, and I would have a dog rescue. I can actually answer that pretty quickly. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Because that's something I'm super passionate about. And it's actually funny. When I went on my interview when I was in college to start with Red Bull, um, the vice president at the time asked me a question like, you know, if you could do whatever you want, what would you actually do? And I, my answer was I would have a dog rescue and yeah. he looked at me like I was crazy and I said oh I'm sorry was I supposed to say oh I'd have my own marketing agency and yeah he, and he like, started laughing and now I'm like okay that I have is my so own agency funny. but eventually I'll have my own dog rescue so 
I think that's beautiful. I think I build it in, right? Yeah. I mean, Tito's is vodka for dog people. Why couldn't you? I mean, I built the Witty Group into CJL Consulting because I knew I wanted my company to mean something. I say go for it. You can do it. I know you can. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're a Woody woman, so you can do anything you set your mind to. But I I know you to be one of those people that just does. You don't ask, you just do. And that's really, really important because the people that have done the things that we all enjoy in this world, they just did. They didn't ask, they just did. And I think that's really, really important. And I love that answer. I think it's really awesome. So I'm wondering if you can give me an example of when you turned a negative experience or a negative time in your life. Or situation into a positive memory. Wow. Um, yeah, that's the, it's <laughs> hard. It's yeah. hard. Um, I mean, I think that obviously everyone has challenges throughout their life. I would say probably one of my biggest challenges actually happened at the same time that I decided to uh, leave a career and start my own company and was diagnosed with early breast cancer. Yeah. Uh, and I think through that situation, um, I was able to just kind of be a testament of strength and um, and then also a testament of what a good community yeah. and surrounding yourself with good people, um, yeah. you know, can be, right? So I was still able to start a company and have clients and, you know, lay a strong foundation while at the same time going through surgery and treatments and all And you that. were going through all of this at Witty. Yeah. Like you learned about it. I didn't know. You didn't tell me. Um, It it wasn't my business either, but I didn't know that this was your personal struggle that you were dealing with while you were there with us in Sonoma last year. And when I found out from you, I was so sad because I felt like I could have done more for you. I could have made your experience easier or better somehow because... Everything that you were dealing with is one of those things that that can break a person. Yeah. And you were handling it with such amazing grace and beauty. I had no hints of it. (laughs) And so that's my compliment to you in that you were going through one of the worst things someone can go through in their life and you were handling it like it wasn't happening. And maybe that was a healing mechanism. Maybe you were masking it and and doing damage to yourself but you've come through it yeah. beautifully well, and positively you. with a smile on your face <laughs> yeah no of course and I think you know one I, I have a, such like I was saying a strong community surrounded by great you know friends and family and a husband you know that was able to get me through all of it yeah but also the witty women and just this industry as a whole how positive everything yeah everyone is right it's just um it was easy to kind of work and then, you know, keep close to the positive people and, you know, people that are doing good and the people that support you, even if they don't know really what's going on, Yeah, you know, they're still just... And they're respectful enough not to pry. Yeah, yeah, no, for for sure. Because we want to ask, but because we want to know how we can help. Right. So we're looking for an answer that may be different than the question that we're asking. 
And it's very hard for many of us, too, because in this industry, we're used to doing a lot ourselves. And it's very hard for us to ask for help, especially women that are strong, empowered women. It's very hard for us to ask for help or admit that we're suffering through something. Yeah, no, for for sure it is. And that, you know, and everyone has a different... um you know, reaction is like told people, most people cried and I hadn't even cried yet. Right. So it was so, wow. it was so crazy. Um, but I think that, you know, that was the thing. Everyone just wanted to, to know what they could do. They wanted to be supportive. They, they wanted, wanted to help. help and, yeah. You know, and that's really all that you can. But that's when the love returns. Yeah. That's, um, it's kind of the, um, the, the bittersweet beauty of it is when all of a sudden the love returns and you didn't realize how much you'd put out there and it comes back to you because people realize that right now that's what you need yeah. you need you need the good oh yeah 100% yeah. yeah and it's crazy because we had someone going through chemo yeah. at witty and I was very concerned for her welfare and always trying to make sure she was comfortable because I knew she was going through a lot physically, emotionally, and mentally. If I'd known you were going through it too, I uh, maybe I would have made a cancer girl's room. I don't know. I mean, I hope you connect with her yeah, and you go yeah. through this with her because we're all sharing oh, this yeah. life journey and we're all connected no matter what. And it's, you know, it, we're all gonna falter at some point physically. Yeah. And if one of us falters too early, it's on the rest of us to make her okay. Yeah. No, to make right. everything as, as awesome as possible. Yeah. I think, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. Well, no, I was just gonna say, I think the one thing, because you mentioned, you know, another lady going through cancer, the one thing that I've learned through this process is that everyone's journey with cancer is different and yeah. it comes in so many different stages yeah. and the treatments are so many are so different, but it's ultimately, it's their journey. Yeah. Right. And everyone goes through it differently. Um, and you just have to respect the fact that it is their journey, Yeah, you know, and it is going to be different and it's not going to yeah. be exactly the way that you may think that it should be or the way that you would handle yeah. it. But you know. well, and I told you, like, I'm always afraid of being like the awkward person that says the wrong thing yeah. that triggers the wrong idea and I'm like I love you tell me what you need yeah. I'm really sorry I don't know what to say yeah. I literally type I don't know what to say yeah. because I want you to know that I love you and I care about you and I'm here for you but I don't know how to handle this yeah. and I don't want to make it worse for you yeah. so tell me how I can make it better right because it's it's something I haven't personally faced yet in my own life but I know I'm going to get there if I'm lucky to live long enough. I mean, cancer goes so far. Yeah. <laughs> it's not one of those things you can avoid. It's like te- death and taxes. So um, anything that you would go back and change or anything that you learned so much from the experience or the mistake that you would definitely change it in the future. No, I mean, I think I truly do believe that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, and so even the bad help happens to teach us a lesson yeah. um, and to grow from. But I do say I wish I would have taken a chance on myself earlier. 
you know, I think that, and I yeah. think that's with a lot of women, right? Yeah. Like you, it's a scary I've thing. I've said that more than once yeah, too. To bet on yourself. Yeah. And to really believe in your abilities. If others are going to ride you, yeah. why don't you just ride yourself? Yeah. Exactly. You are your own horse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's just one of the things I look, look like, look, when I look back, I'm like, I could have done this sooner. You know, yeah, but, but that's not a regret. I think uh, that's more lesson. of, yeah, yeah, you've you've come to the place of understanding with perspective, looking backwards, that this happened now. Yeah, it could have happened sooner, but you weren't ready. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. Like we realize we do the things we do when it's time. No, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, because I, I believe the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I just don't really have, I can't say that I have a regret. Like, I think I've been very blessed. And, yeah. oh my God, if I made a ton of mistakes, oh, I've of course. learned a ton of lessons, but they all have got to me, gotten me to where I am now. So, yeah. no regrets. Well, have you ever learned something? And I'm legitimately asking because yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> have you ever learned something from something that came very easy, where it was immediate success? Have you taken away something from that? Uh, where is it? Became immediate success? I would say, yes. I, I mean, I would say that I don't think until I started my own company that I truly understood how much people trusted me. Yeah. Or actually believed that, like, if I said something, it was actually going to happen. Yeah, but that's not learning from your immediate success either. No. Like, I mean, I learned, you know, that was something I learned about yeah. perspective, I guess. Okay. But, okay. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, learning. Well, just because, like, I've, I can't, I cannot personally recall a time where I set out on a task. And it immediately worked, and I learned something from it. If it immediately works, you move on to the next thing. Yeah. Right? So I that's what I was asking. Like, if you, and I phrased it the wrong way, I'm sure. Um, I was thinking, like, in all of these experiences that you've had, good and bad, yeah. do you have that standout time in your memory where it worked? You didn't know how but you still managed to learn something? Because I haven't had that. Yeah. And I'm curious. I want to know that about others. I don't know if I have either. I mean, there's some times, especially in Red Bull land, right, how crazy it is where you're like, shit, we actually pulled that off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, you know, I produced Red Bull Guest House in Miami during Winter Music Conference that there are times where we didn't sleep for weeks at the yeah. end. And um, I'm like, oh, my God, we actually did that. Um, you know, so there are those type of moments and, you know, I think then I learned like when you have the right people working on a project, it is amazing what a yeah. group can accomplish. Right. So, oh, of course. You know, um, so lots of those types of moments, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that is, it's, a, it's a, I know, but that's why I ask it because yeah. it's one of those questions that's very hard to answer. But it gives you a lot of insight into the person. Mm -hmm. And I think that by exploring our inner selves in a public forum, especially where others can learn from us yeah. and our mistakes, 
and our successes and our absolute total fall on your face failures, I think that is how we humanize what we do yeah, and how we create the path so that others know that this is something you can do even if, you know, you know, you don't think there's a path. There's always a path. So I want to know, um, and this is another rando question that I always ask, what would you want the listening audience to know about you? Um, so I always say actually that I am here to make the world a better place and that's what I would want the world to know or your listeners to know about me. (laughs) Um, so whether it is through work, it is through family, it is through friends, it is through charity. Um, my ultimate goal is to make the world a better place and to help those that are around me. Yeah. Well, that's mine too. That's a really good answer, by the way. (laughs) Just egotistically speaking, because it would be my answer. (laughs) But I I think that's awesome because you never know how a stranger is going to approach you or perceive you. And it's really cool if you kind of provide that insight. Yeah. Yeah. No no point in making the world worse than it is. Oh God. Oh God. No, no, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to be a detractor. Like we all want to be progressive. We want to build each other and ourselves and we want to make everything better for everybody. But yeah, not everybody's idea of making everything better for everybody includes everybody. And that is the struggle. So um, if people want to learn more about you, about your company, how do you want them to reach you? Uh, yeah, you can check out the company on uh, DanaMichelleConsulting.com. And then uh, the easiest way is to email me at Dana at DanaMichelleConsulting.com. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'll put the links in your bio. And thank you so much well, for you. doing this and being my guest. I'm so proud to have you as a friend have you as a witty woman and I want to thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud mixing up the mainstream welcome to Lawler Out Loud and thank you for listening I'm your host Christy Lawler and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact Today's guest is Colleen McClellan. So first, let me thank you, Colleen, for joining us and sharing your story, your experiences, your background. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to have you because I think you're a genius. You know this. So I'm very excited to have someone that I believe to be much smarter than I am on the show. I don't think so. Yes. Oh, come on. The pressure. Oh, my gosh. No pressure. So we'll dive in. Um, So tell us a little bit more about you. And it can be your background, your experience, your education. You know, what shaped you to be the woman you are, the powerhouse? (laughs) Uh, It's a kind of a a little bit of a winding path, I think. I, I started my undergrad in neurobiology, physiology, and thought that I was headed down a medical path. Um, I really wanted to get into physical therapy. It's what I had, you know, done part-time and then full-time yeah. working in clinics and hospitals as a, as a young person. And I was, I was super passionate about it. And I think my first hurdle 
um, was I, I got accepted actually into PT school for to do my grad work and the cost was really prohibitive. I yeah. mean, it was going to be like $100,000 plus for a two-year degree, oh sign gosh. on the dotted line and agree that you won't work while you do it. And I put myself through undergrad, so I had all this debt already. I was waiting tables. I had yeah. four jobs just putting myself through. Um, you know, like part-time gigs and tutoring and waiting tables and doing all of this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I talked to my folks and it was one of those major turning points in life where I said, what happens if I get out and I can't get a job mm-hmm. and I've got undergrad debt plus a hundred plus grand yeah. in debt for grad school. What, what do I do with that mom and dad? Like that seems like a big loan. <laughs> and, and I, and like, a, what yeah. if I'm waiting tables or very heavy burden and bartending and, yeah. and that's a great living, but not maybe enough to pay that off until I'm dead. Right. So what exactly. do I do? What yeah. do I do? That's, yeah, that's a, that's a very heavy burden. So in in good form and fashion, um, the start date of grad school would have been before I physically had graduated undergrad also. And so I wrote for for an extension. I, you know, I said, you know, can I, can I, you know, start halfway through, they have two waves that come in, I'll start in the second wave and I'm just going to work and save and whatnot. And they said, basically suck it because (laughs) we have a wait list and we don't need you. You can reapply. Um, they only take 70 people a year. So I, uh, you know, I went to the beach and blew off some steam and told my parents that I thought I was going to work on a catamaran and stay in Aruba and not come back basically, you know, like I was, you know, what am I going to do? Right. This is, um, this is, I, you know, my whole life, this is what it, my game plan was. So yeah. as you can tell, I'm now in the food business and on the insight side of things, but I got a temp job, uh, to buy myself time to figure it out at McCormick Spice Company, um, in the sensory science lab. And, uh, I was a permanent employee within maybe, I don't know, four to six months mm-hmm. and spent 17 years of my life with them wow. hopping around. And I, I, didn't know I that. Yeah. you know, random, you know, I yeah. worked in sensory, which was doing mind body connection work. So it fit with my education. But then I, you know, I got a degree in IT and then an international business degree and hopped from there to marketing and food service and innovation and um, worked in tech for a bit and then uh, landed with uh, Data Central was actually a, I hired them back in the late 90s as a partner of mine Okay, and have known them for a really long time and that's who I work with today and um, it's a chance to help people connect the dots to grow their businesses. So I guess it's still a form of helping people. It wasn't quite what I had in mind when I started out, but I will tell you, I don't think, I didn't know this path even existed when I was in a student and I am a food person and I, you know, have been studying wine now for the last five years and really enjoy that path as well. And you just passed another level, didn't you? Yeah, I just passed my uh, WSET level three back in August and I'm now a diploma candidate there for the next three years. I got an exam in three weeks. Don't send me good mojo. I'm a little, little stressed out about it, but, um, it's personal for me. So yeah. I, I just do it cause I enjoy it. So I am, I've built my career then because of that instance with the rabbit hole syndrome, a yeah. new opportunity shows up and I don't really think too hard about it. I take a chance. I take a yeah. risk. I go down the hole and I just see where it leads me. And then and awesome. like, here I am sitting with you yeah. in this beautiful place and hanging out and yeah. you know, a part of women in the industry and could not have predicted that you know 20 plus years ago I know and so so proud to be aligned with it yeah well I'm I'm proud to have you as a member of the witty group obviously but I think it's um I I love hearing the stories and the paths that we've all taken because we've all ended up in this collective um side of our business but at the same time like our paths were never no one 
set out to do what we do. What's your five-year plan? I yeah, don't exactly. <laughs> Just say yes to whatever happens and see where it see takes me. See what the me. universe yeah. brings me and then, you know, take an adventure. Yeah, because every plan I've ever made that hasn't come to fruition has turned out way better than I could have ever anticipated my end it's result amazing. from the first initial thought, you know? But Which is what I love. you shared that with me yeah. when we first met. And I will say uh, part of my inspiration is how you've managed to, you know, hit a wall or hit a stumbling block and flip it on its head and completely come out on the other side with a brave and positive attitude. And it inspires me to try not to get too, you know, down when, you know, I face an obstacle and I think, man, that's not how I wanted it to go. Or that's not what, that was my plan, man. And I'm like, you know, some of us had other plans too and man look where they are now and yeah, so it, you sure. are an inspiration to me for that well thank you and I should tell you you know that that day that we met and I was like in that d- sad dark twisty spiral of a place I wasn't even myself I was I knew I was unhappy and I couldn't figure out how to pull myself out of that place but and then when we reconnected a few months later and I was in a different place yeah and I was so much happier it was it was, it was an incredible transformation yeah. but you were so nice and kind and caring <laughs> and you could immediately tell like how much pain I was in and oh it was gosh. really really yeah. cool and I was just I was like wow she has a really amazing heart that woman <laughs> I thought I just thought I just admired you because I thought you were brilliant but then I realized oh she's really genuinely kind Aww. So you're very beautiful on the inside as well as the outside, for sure. I, I, Thank you. I'm glad to have you as Thank a friend. You. Absolutely. So you're, so obviously you, you do a lot of study for your work, and yeah. the, clearly you have that aptitude. Yeah. So I want to know, how did you find your inspiration, where you find it now, mm. and how did you discover it? It's a great question. I, I'm not even sure I have an answer. Um, <laughs> I... I, I I think I have a lot of self-doubt uh, growing up. I think it's just part of my personality. I've, I think I've always had that, you know, I'm always curious and I always have asked questions, but I also ask them of myself, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing yeah. that? Or is that really working? Or And, and so it's a, it's a pro and a con maybe or a benefit and a curse. And, you know, I think I, what I've come to experience as I've aged is the ability to see people like yourself and steal from them their energy, like borrow from them their passion or, you know, like rubbing up against their elbows. I go, oh my gosh, you know. So my inspiration, I think now, at the point I am in my life now, you know, I think when I was young, it came from different places. But today, Mm -hmm. um, seeing so uh, many compassionate, uh, mature, smart, competent um, boys and girls, right? Like uh, in this industry who have formed sort of a tribe to support one another, uh, regardless what they're working on, private efforts, personal endeavors, uh, you know, in and out of the industry. Um, give me courage, I should say, right. To, to try new things. Uh, or if I'm doubting something, I think I, I feel like now I have a group that I can reach out to and, and check in with and also say, Hey, when you hit your, when you, when you hit something that was like the big uphill mountain yeah. you had to climb, how'd you tackle it? And I think folks today are a little more transparent mm-hmm. than maybe they were 15 years ago, where they would have just told me, you know, come to work, act like you're 25 years older than you are, change your haircut, yeah. wear a certain outfit, and then you will succeed. Yeah, um, it's Today, we're in a very different place. And, yeah. and so I think that inspires me to want to stay in the industry and, mm-hmm. and make 
uh, make a path for those the generations yeah. that are coming up under us, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And clearly that's my purpose in life too. So I'm glad you're on this journey with me because I think that if well, we're I mean, you're not leading doing it, I'm following it and going, I hope I'm contributing. Like You and are I'm, contributing. And I, and, I, and I truly mean that because I feel like I take so much away yeah. from it. I get so much um, yeah. from our cohort of, of industry professionals and friends that I mean like man I hope I'm I hope I'm giving back because I feel like a yeah. mooch and I'm okay with it because I really do get a lot of really positive energy I, I go home and you know completely renewed every time yeah. I'm around um it's around our folks so. and it's it's good because you know when one of us falls down she has a tribe to pick her up help her back up you know and yeah, I love I've, that I've seen it yeah, happen and it, it is a gift right yeah it, it truly is um in the pace and all of which we keep and so many have families and are doing so many other volunteer yeah. work and their full-time jobs and running companies and I just think man it's kind of amazing that they still take a pause to make time yeah. for each other and and I I truly think it's magical thank you I I agree it's it's my happy place and that's yeah. why I tell people to take vacation days for the conference because oh yeah you you don't want to limit your capacity to take in all of the energy yeah and everything that we're learning and we're growing together personally we're growing professionally there's so much that happens and if you have to disconnect for a bit it's unfortunate so I, I tell yeah. people I'm like if you have one of those jobs that just the world comes to a screeching halt if you don't if you can't do it Take the vacation. Give it to yourself. I think it's good advice. Yeah. Well, and it actually came from the first year of Witty. Um, people suggested that I tell people that because they were like, oh, too many people missed stuff and then they were pissed at themselves. Oh. <laughs> um, which is unfortunate. I don't want that to ever happen. So um, I am wondering, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out of order here, but I'm wondering if you can tell me what you would do if you had endless funding resources what would you do like what would your path be hmm. I realize I could have prepared ah. a thought for this but I, I truly th this will tell you about my personality I feel like that's so unreal and it would never <laughs> happen that it, that I have a hard time dreaming right of, with so much stuff that goes on in life yeah. Um, I, endless resources, um, there are some charitable things that I think, you know, would be up my alley to contribute to. Um, and my, you know, my personal passions are kind of wide ranging, but if I linked it back to business, I think I would say, um, I would like complete dream state. I am completely not competent to do this, <laughs> but in dream state land, um, I would love to put effort into having a winery, um, whether it was making it, but like a, a wine room, a wine shop, a place mm -hmm. though that celebrated um, kind of unique makers mm -hmm. um, and introduced a consumer base mm -hmm. to an experience of pleasure that they've not yet known they need in their life to yeah. create a a space where people could come and be a community yeah um and learn a little and have fun that sounds and cool i like it get something out of it but but also forge sort of a community around celebrating unique producers unique makers unique brands um so many small individuals out there trying to make a break in yeah or break through yeah um that are doing some incredible things 
Um, and wine just being a passion. It's not that spirits wouldn't be, couldn't be a part of that. And the shop place is just because it's a a way to form a community or forge a community. Um, but I would want to do this in a space that wasn't typically your wine community. Mm. Like not in a nap, not in a place where everybody goes to visit, but in a place that has, can't afford to have that luxury. Right. And they don't get to get out. How do you bring something like that? That's a little bit of magic Mm -hmm. into a small town and, you know, bring a community together where, you know, I feel like food and drink always, um, transcend and break down barriers and bring people together. So I think it would be cool to kind of bring a community together. Um, I like that. I don't know. I like, dream state yeah um, but you're such a pragmatist well i, I just like you know like you know endless money i feel like i should go well i should like save save the world or uh <laughs> cure cancer or i mean there's so many other real things that you know if you endless resources should go to i should right. have a i should probably have a higher purpose but i don't know if i just said you know what would i do like with my time yeah. and how would i spend it working i feel like that would be a path that would be fun yeah no i that's awesome. I like that answer. It's a good answer. <laughs> I love it. By the way, I need to introduce you to my little gadget. You are... Oh, no. It's, it's fine. Um, you are going to love this. Since you're a wine geek, this yeah. is going to change your life. You can't live without it. I must I, know I have, about it. After this, yes. we're going to go into the bar. We're going to get some wine. And we're going to play with the wake-up wine. Because it is right. so much fun. Super cool. Oh got I got to hear about it. Oh, yeah. You do. You totally do. Um, so... What I want to know if um, if you can give me an example of when you've turned a negative experience or a negative time or space in your life into a positive memory. So um, this is like super personal side. I was in my mid to late twenties. Um, I met my I met my husband, um, and he's amazing. We were. Um, played on a social football team and we became running partners Mm -hmm. and we trained together and we were running marathons together. And so we found our jam was to kind of partner up and do long runs together. And it was when we would, you know, I think it's nothing more team oriented than helping each other get past the wall or Mm -hmm. mentally overcome when you don't think you can go another step. Right. And I think it really, you know, you get to know somebody, yeah. right? And I was having problems with my feet, and they were going numb. And I just thought, oh, it's bad sneakers, whatever. I just need to get new shoes. And yeah. I get it, and it was, like, kept happening. And I'm, like, running, going, like, I literally can't feel my toes anymore. This is yeah, so weird. weird. So I went to the doctor, and it turned out I was maybe 25, 26 at the time. And they said, you have degenerative arthritis in your spine. Oh, my. And you need to stop running, right? And I know this sounds trivial because it's just exercise, but it was more about the intimacy that it created with my partner and you know, a mental challenge, like giving me something to strive towards, giving me something to try to mentally overcome. I'm inherently not probably a great risk taker. So, so putting out a goal and just Mm -hmm. trying to force myself to achieve something new, hard and different. Yeah. I always felt made me more patient person. It would teach me life lessons. And so I felt like I was really losing something. And of course, um, there was a moment where I was like, this is very uncool. Stuff should not be falling apart this young. How, how does this happen? Um, I think the turning point was when the physician says when you start wetting your pants and not knowing it then we'll talk surgery but until then oh my god and I went you mean that's gonna happen like oh you said god. if that's not you, you know like you didn't say if you said when 20s. and I was like oh boy okay so no more running that stopped yeah. that day um to try to you know stay off the you know yeah. or, or slow the progress and point being long story short is that I discovered rock climbing and uh you know I can hike and uh, up mountaintops. And so my partner and I, my spouse, we, we said, you know, like we're going to, 
we're going to shift our focus to something else. And, it, you know, we landed in Vegas eventually and we, yeah. we hike and, and rock climb and oh bike gosh, out there so every weekend. And yeah. so I, it turned into a community. Yeah. So what was like a partnership of two people running every day and, mm-hmm. you know, it was about uh, being part of a smaller group there. It's forged into a much bigger community where I live, yeah. having met amazing people who blow me away with their courage and their ability to tackle hard tasks. And so I thought I was losing something and yeah. I really thought I was going to let my partner down. And in the end, it turned out to be such a bigger, cooler, better, awesome. um, you know, healthier, you know, thing and protect yeah. your body and everything. And, um, and I learned new skills and, and we're really passionate about it. And so I don't know, for me, that's probably a, a personal side yeah. of, of a challenge that ended up becoming a bright spot. Yeah. Well, in, in, I, I love all of your adventure pictures because you're, if, if you're not on a mountain with mm-hmm. snowboarding or skiing, you're climbing something yeah. and it's awesome because you're just, your pictures are gorgeous. I live vicariously through them um, because I don't live in a place where I can climb anything. I can climb a levee. There is nothing to climb in Houston. It's still my my biggest beef with that city is that I can't climb anything Um, because I'm from the desert and I miss it. Yeah, right. I mean, Arizona, right? There's such beautiful scenery there. And we lived in Vegas for a bit several years ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And we were constantly out there. We were hiking everything we could hike. I mean, it's just beautiful scenery and most people don't even know about it, you know? It's my favorite part of Vegas. My, my too. It's not that, you know, yeah, not the bright strip. light. Yeah. yeah, No, that's not my yeah, favorite Yeah, it's beautiful area. outdoors. And I, know. and I also think there's a balance that you get to you from just being out in the outdoors. Yeah. Um, that's like no other. And, and for me, again, like you described, like it's my other happy place too. Yeah. Right. I know I can rebalance my mind and, and set things straight on the weekend. Yeah. And also working out of a home office where it can be a little isolating I, I visually can see the mountains and yeah. I just think there's something, something just very special about it. Yes. It does. It's a little Zen for me. Yeah, definitely. No, I was working out of my home office when we lived there too. And I had it on the second floor oh, so that yes. I could so look out the, the window amazing. and look at the mountains. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. No, every hotel room I get there and they're like, would you like to upgrade for a strip view? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to see the mountains. Are you kidding? That view's way better. Oh my gosh so funny and I'm like I get it people like the lights I get it um so I'm wondering if um do you have any regrets anything that you would go back and change if you could Mm. I kind of have a personal beef with the word regrets I think um Uh, like my life is a rabbit hole syndrome right so therefore no I I don't think I have any regrets about anything and that doesn't mean I've made mistakes or things didn't go as planned I feel like everything sort of happens for a reason Mm -hmm. I think um no matter everybody suffers in some way shape or form everybody goes through trials and tribulations so to speak absolutely and everyone always says it makes you stronger and I think that's correct yeah and I think you I think I've made it uh personal mantra I guess is the best way to describe it to say learn something from whatever's been put in front of you there's a reason this is happening try to learn from it but I think carrying around a regret is just a waste of your energy right because yeah because there's, going back in time is impossible yeah yeah um, exactly so sure are there things I don't want to do again or yeah. make the same mistake a second time of course yeah. I think that's all very fair to say but but no, no regrets. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what the future holds. And I'm, you know, I'm proud of all the ups and downs and potholes I've fallen yeah. into along the way, too. Because, you they've know. they've created the path that you're on. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, and you don't, you're, you're doing great. 
too. Well, I mean, it just, I, you know, I, know. I, I, I don't mean to sound. I think a regret is just pretty much a, a negative memory of something that you haven't processed yet. Because once oh, you well. process it. Yeah. And the world opens up and you can see things differently, you know? So definitely have had some of those in my life for yeah. sure. Uh, but I definitely think by now, I mean, let's say I'm an old, I'm an old bird. So at this point, at this point in my progress, I think I, I have come to good places with all of yeah. it, but not uh, alone. Yeah. Right. So having a bit of that tribe has helped me process a little more quickly. Yeah. Lots of things that have, you know, personally and professionally throughout my life. I mean, I think growing up um, in this industry, yeah. food and beverage is, is been a, um, it's been a very tight organization for a very long time with um, a, a type of employee mm-hmm. um, that's always fit a mold. And I've never fit anybody's mold. Um, I'm like always swimming upstream and that's always been a challenge in my life. And I, I think there has been times, especially younger that I wish I was different. I wish I could just fall in line and be Mm -hmm. like everyone else or why can't, why do I make waves accidentally? Right. But I've come to learn (laughs) that it's being able to ask questions and and challenge a situation is also what's advanced people's businesses. It's also what is innovation. It is, you know, and that's, that's kind yeah. of I landed in a job where that's what we do every day is ask questions. Yeah. So I may have just been in the wrong place. Yeah. So I found my home and That's awesome. And now that's good. And that's, the, that that's cool. And that strength that comes from that statement. It was a grind. A Not gonna lie. It was a grind. I but know. but I feel like everybody has that type of of journey yeah. at some point. Well I feel like those of us that don't fit into a conventional box, we're just the box makers. So, oh yeah, like, and you for sure. I didn't find a Wait, box that fit me. No, so I just went and built my own. Uh, hands down. Yeah, hands down. It's courageous nice and, and no, courageous and yeah. just um, amazing and awesome. And I would love to believe I'd have that grit. I don't know that I do, but I'd like to believe that if I was down and out, that I too could build the box. Um, I've spent a lot of I time going. Can i got to find a box that's roundish or, <laughs> you know, and, and just keep searching and I'm not give up. But uh, to be entrepreneurial spirited like that is, is truly a gift. Oh, it's, it's not without its pitfalls, but um, I, I'm so grateful for it, like to be able to do it and just go. And I, I didn't even realize that about myself until maybe a few years ago. That Which is shocking, just, right? Yeah. Because you're confident. And I would have thought she's, she's dreamed of it her whole life. She's always had yeah. this path. And I know the story. Yeah. So I, I go, I know that not to be the case. And I, and I find that empowering. And I just go, see, if she could find it in herself to come up with I solutions and make it, it yeah. happen, yeah. maybe I could too. Of course right? you and, can. And, yeah. you know, and but yeah, no, yeah. I just, uh, I just kind of had a self conversation one day and that's what Laura and I were talking about when you walked up. It was, I just realized like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And oh, no one can tell me, no, I'm just going to do it myself. Right. Right. And I don't know how that just didn't happen sooner, but when it happened, it was Yeah, like, and you put it out in the universe and then people are like, just, let me help you on your journey. And they just keep coming up to you saying, I want in, I, I want to help, I want to support. I and I go, oh my gosh, it's she has so tapped beautiful. into the universe and made it happen for herself. Yeah. And that is empowering. I mean, that, that it's just amazing. Well, thank you. Uh, that means a lot to me because I do suffer quite a bit of uh, confidence issues sometimes. Like you would I'm never like, know, like, right? And, and it's, it's just such an internal, personal like, thing. 
yeah, we would know that about so many people that we admire yep. that when they, so I feel like me coming clean with that when people wouldn't expect to hear that from me and the way you've like owned your insecurities yeah. when I would never expect to see that in you. I think that by doing that, we're giving other people the power to recognize that everybody suffers the same human condition and it's beautiful and it's part of you and we're all going to work together to kind of help each other through those moments you know i don't disagree mm-hmm. i fully uh at first i would tell 10 years ago i probably would have said you know the old uh, ad uh, never let him see a sweat yeah right yeah and it was all about sucking it up don't ever let anybody know you're nervous yeah and and just grind it out and and I think we're at a different time and place and I and I think that's incredible uh, because I probably wouldn't have I'd be sick to my stomach and nervous and and, you know super self-doubting years ago and and would never have mentioned it because by letting people know your weaknesses yeah well that would be could be leverage right and or you're instantly putting doubt in some why would they trust you now because you put that out there and now at this point in my career, I'm going, you know, I, I'm not embarrassed to say it. It's just transparent. It's yeah. just real. Um, yeah. and, and I feel like you get, you, people give you back by putting that out there. Yeah. They give you strength. Yes. Right. And they give you a little courage to yeah. like get over that hump or deep breathe and make it through knowing that there's some cheerleaders out there. Yeah. They got your back and, and they're rooting for you, not against you. Yes. And, and I, that's just, um, it's awesome. It's and just a really that. bright shining star in my life. I, you know, it's good to come clean. Number one, like it's yeah. good to feel like I can be myself and, and be honest, but, yeah. but also that being honest is, is not something to be ashamed of. Yeah. No, it's, and it's cathartic. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree with you more. It just, everything you're saying is just totally my jam. So what would you want? And this is my rando question. That's hard to answer. <laughs> um, I'm really proud of this question. Cause it's so <laughs> right weird. on. Um, but what would you want the listening audience to know about you? Oh, that is tough. Um, just think like, mm, that is a curveball. It's a good one. What would I want them to know about me? Total stranger walks up to you. What's, what's the way to approach? I'm easy in the sense that I like I like learning people's stories and I like meeting new people. Mm-hmm. One of my most favorite things to do, here's what you do. One of my most favorite things to do is I have a dream about writing a book that would be a collage of all of the Uber drivers out there that I have met. Oh my gosh, I, I find it. all of their personal stories incredible. And it is and the reason I Every ride I get in, I say, you know, like, how's your day going? How's your life? You know, what's happening? And inevitably, before my drop-off, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, I find out what they used to do, where they live, what they like to cook, what's their favorite meal. And I've never had a repetitive story. Yeah. And it is a constant reminder how special and unique everybody is around us. And you would never know. We we walk along in our life today, staring at our phone, checking our calendars, buzzing watches, reminding us of every due date and timeline and meetings and stuff. And to take five minutes to meet a random person and say, hey, 
Yeah. Um, I want to hear your story. Like, yeah. I, I want to get to know you in 10 minutes. I We're like never going to see idea. each other again. Yeah. But I would love, and I go, oh my gosh, I've met such amazing people. Doctors, dentists, yeah. lawyers, refugees. I, I mean, and every, you know, and guess what? Do you know what common thread is? Love knowing what's your favorite food. Do you cook? What kind of yeah. kind of food do you eat? What do you drink? Right? Because everybody does it. You everybody start a eats. Oh, please. You, you know, like but recording every Uber dri- and right? whatever you get into. They probably wouldn't be, be like, as, as transparent. This? But know, right. I I feel like instead of getting a ride, I got a peek into their life, yeah. and it's for me. It's energizing, and it's selfishly. I just go, you know, everybody has a story. Yeah, and you got to slow down and take five. And listen. And listen. Yeah. And you never know what you're going to learn. And I've met people that were looking for a job that I connected. I met somebody that needed a catering gig and knew somebody was hiring a caterer. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Here, let me hook you up. Like, okay, cool. And so, I don't know. I would say what they should know about me is, is that I'm chatty and I like to chat with people. Uh, And I think that's pretty honest. So if you ever run into me or meet me, I'd be happy to chat. That's awesome. That's a great answer. I love it. I love the way you handled that question because it's so weird. So um, if people want to learn more about you, learn from you, um, hire Data Central to help them figure out where they're going in life, uh, (laughs) how do you want people to reach you? I think the easiest way is they can text me um, at my phone number, 443-841-0246. That's easier than an email address. That's easy, yeah. And I'll put I'll put your like LinkedIn bio. Oh, and everything. fabulous! Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's easier because yeah, so you know, Colleen and McClellan, a lot of E's, a lot of L's, <laughs> several C's. You're never getting that right, and I don't blame you. It's complicated. That's hilarious. So phone number is easy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so oh much gosh. for being. It was an honor and a privilege to even be invited, and thank you for just even thinking of me that I yeah. would qualify with such great, amazing, strong people uh, to be a yeah. part of this podcast and Absolutely. for starting it for the rest of us listeners out there. Thank you. We appreciate well, you. And you know, I hope for you one day you can see what I see because yeah. I just see the most beautiful, amazing, brilliant, strong woman. And Thank you. you're just so kind and generous. And I, I hope that one day you realize that I'm not just uh, saying that to be nice. I'm, I truly mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. You make it easy. Oh, thank you. And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream. We're good.